0: But John chapter 11, if you're there, starting in verse 38, you'll know kind of the background because we've been in this chapter for, for a little bit. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, kind of perplexed. Jesus, he kind of delays a little bit in another town where he was at ministering. And they thought, well, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus, you know, God's delays are not God's denials, right? This is, a, this is a good message in that. Because even though you think it may be over, it's only over when God says it's over. That's all I'm going to say. It's only over when God says it's over. Jerry Benjamin, who I'd love to come out here and speak uh, uh, sometime. I had given his books out before to the church. Um, oh, incidentally, I'm... I'm I'm praying and thinking about starting um, a book, um, a book ministry, just Christ-centered new covenant type books um, for the church to be exposed to. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. But I had given his books out before, and he says often, as long as you're living, there's hope. As long as you're living, there's hope. It's appointed unto people once to die and then the judgment of God, right? So, as long as you're alive, as long as you're alive, there's hope. The thief on the cross. This is where we get this 11th hour thing, you know? Uh, And also from the parable of the people that showed up at the 11th hour. But he turns to Jesus and he says, I believe. And then Jesus says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Boom. He didn't get baptized, he didn't join the church, uh, he didn't do any good works. All he did was turn and believe. And so as long as you're living, there's hope. I just want to give you that encouragement. As long as you're still breathing, there's hope. And God will turn your mess into a message. And if uh, you're a victim, he'll turn it into a victory. But here Jesus is um, raising Lazarus from the dead because he is the resurrection and the life. So we pick it up in verse 38. And then Jesus again He's kind of grieving in himself. Remember we talked about how Jesus wept? He wasn't weeping over their behavior. He was weeping over their beliefs because they just did not believe that he was who he claimed to be, the resurrection and the life. Then Jesus, groaning in himself, he came to the grave, the tomb. It was a cave and the stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead said, Lord, by this time there is a stench, and you'll see that I, either, the King James says he stinketh, <laughs> which I like that one the best. Oh, he stinketh. Oh, she stinketh. Uh, an odor, a stink, a stench. Oh, he rank, he reeks. For he has been dead for four days. So, you know, they logically, they've buried people before. They know, you know, when the, when the laws of entropy take place and the and the uh, the deco decomp, decomposition yeah you know what i'm saying takes place so they took away the stone or wait verse 40 then jesus said did i not say that if you would believe you would see the glory of god and the glory of god was standing right there next to them it was jesus it's like pilate when he says what is truth he's asking the wrong question it should have been who is truth cuz Truth was standing right next to him. The glory of God was right there in their presence. Verse 41, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And why did Jesus linger for four days? because he was waiting on the Father. He only does what the Father tells him to do. He goes when the Father tells him to go. He speaks when when the Father tells him to speak. He says what the Father tells him what to say. Jesus lived that totally dependent life on the Father. And, And so the glory of God was in Jesus. The glory of God is Jesus, and the one who is resurrection and life is going to give life because he is life. And he says in verse 42, and I know that you always hear me, because uh, the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. That they're in, Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are in operational oneness. Please remember that phrase. They're, they function in operational oneness. Verse forty-three. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, "Lazarus, come forth!" And he who had died. Came out bound hand and foot. Look at this next phrase. I highlighted it. And grave clothes. Stinky clothes. Grave clothes. Smelly clothes. He had an odor. He was dead for four days. His body was doing what the natural course of life does. It you know, it goes, we came from dust, we returned to dust. It was starting that dust process. And so he was stinking. And his, his stinkiness was affecting his clothes. He was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped in a cloth. Another version says napkin, which I thought I, wanted, I was going to riff on that a while because, you know, whenever you, have a, whenever you want to blow your nose, what do you say? Hey, can you have. And you know, your grandma or your mom always has that, that napkin in her pocket or her purse how many of you ladies always have a napkin just ready and my mom would always hand me oh you honey honey and it was like it was soft not used but very soft like not not like this this one's still kind of sift it would it had been it had some like some wear and tear on it but it was brand new anyways I'm not going to riff on the napkin idea um, but thank you, ladies, for always having a napkin. But it's so interesting that we would say napkin. It's synonymous with you know, <laughs> the with with tissue. So he came out wearing grave clothes. And, and he who had died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped w- uh, with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. He was kind of like mummy clothes. But could you imagine Lazarus who's been dead for four days, his body is decaying, he's starting to reek, he's starting to stink, he's starting to smell very bad. That's why they sealed the tomb and like, just let him rot, you know? But he comes out, and can you imagine? Lazarus is like, hey, what's up? And he just continues to rock those grave clothes? That's what we're going to talk about today rocking the stinky clothes. That's not how Jesus wants us to function. That's not how we expect each other to function. But how often do we just walk around with stinky old clothes that don't look good on us and they don't smell good on us? I know it's kind of personal (laughs) because you're checking people out. You're like, did he Did Neil wear that last week? (laughs) Practice what you preach there, brother. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, the gathering of your believers. I thank you that we have been given the free gift of eternal life. I thank you that we could freely give out what we freely received. I thank you that we're joint heirs with Jesus. All that you have is all that's promised to us. We're seated right now in heavenly places. We live under the sun, but we're seated above the sun and with the sun. Lord, help us to have an eternal perspective as life comes at us. Help us to know that you're the resurrection life that wants to live this life through us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this first thought. John 11:39. 39, Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha, or Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. And so, what I want to say to this is the nose knows. The nose (laughs) knows. Now, hold, hold that slide there for a moment. Do you know that there's big business in smell? We don't really think about it, but there's a huge business. There's a documentary from the lady that started those those stretchy pants in Utah. Um, And evidently, Utah is one of those states where uh, Ponzi schemes and multi-level marketing is just uh, exponentially higher than most other states. She got busted. There's a documentary on it. But I'm not saying this company is wrong. Uh, Noni, Noni Juice, remember that? Uh, That was a big one. There's so many of them that come out of Utah. But one of them that I got really hooked into because I, I was a sucker for it was Scentsy. Those little wax cubes that you you don't light a candle, so it's safe. You put it in a in a bowl with a little light under it, and it's a it could be like a fancy one, a kind of a whatever suits your you know your <laughs> your aesthetic. Um, so you turn on the little light, and then the then it just slowly just wafts a scent off into the atmosphere and you walk into a place and I would do it in my office and like mm, what is that cinnamon? Um, what is that cardamom? Um, <laughs> and I just loved all the different scents and my wife would make fun of me because I was always into these different scented candles and uh, <coughs> And then they'd ask me if they'd, I'd want to sell them as well. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'll just be a buyer, not a seller. Um, <laughs> but the nose knows. But scent branding is a huge thing in business today. Did you know that? Scent branding. Have you ever been into a hotel and you're like, huh, okay, I'll check in here. You walked into a department store. I was taking Chloe out pants shopping yesterday. I noticed Hollister has a distinct smell. Just noticed it. Scent branding. Okay, Nike, and they spend millions of dollars of research and development for scent branding. You want to know what Nike's scent brand is? What? It is rubber. It is rubber. Good guess, Eric. And here's where they got it, because... You know, Jordans, the, the, the Air Jordans are probably the most iconic Nike shoe of all time. Um, when you're playing basketball on a wooden court and you have your shoe and you, you what's that sound? You scratch it, but there's a smell that comes from playing basketball. Have you ever been in a gym? Well, you know from volleyball, anyone that's played any sports inside on a, on a court, you know that distinct smell. And so Nike, in all their research and development, said burnt rubber is going to be our scent. And they spent millions to come to that conclusion. Have you ever smelled something dead? (laughs) A dead mouse in your wall? I remember when Jen and I um, got first married, we were blessed with a single wide trailer on an Indian reservation in the central mountains of uh, California, up in the Sierras. And um, I just wanted to be a blessing to my wife, so I said, hey babe, Welcome, it's single white, and it still had the license plate on the back and it was in black and yellow, just to tell you like, dating myself, I'm dating myself. (laughs) So it was was a vintage trailer, Uh, had character, Um, not cool character like an Airstream, it was just like, okay, whatever. And it was cool, so we did the best we could anyways. One thing we couldn't prevent was this mouse that died in the wall. And if you've ever been lived in a trailer, um, the insulation is not the greatest. And up in the mountains, it, in the summertime, it get really hot. And you could imagine like that, that microwave effect with the mouse in the tin wall, and the thin, it's just not sizzling, but just like a slow cook, like a slow cook, right? Slow roasted mouse. It, I went. I worked at the at the Cypress Rec Center, and um, I did maintenance there. And a lot of times, well, they had mouse traps up in the ceiling where all the ceiling tiles were. And sometimes you'd smell something, and sometimes you'd see a like a wet spot. And they're like, Neil, you need to grab the ladder, go get the, <laughs> and you would go into the room too, and you're like, no. <laughs> The ladder, and there's this like, leaky, stainy tile, and you have to replace the tile, and you lift it up, and then you have to get the rat, and it's all stuck in a, in a trap. And uh, But you could tell just by the smell. Um, you ever been out hunting or hiking, and you're like, what's that? You ever, yeah, you're just like a dead animal, a dead carcass, or whatever, and it's been um, heated up by the sun. And there's, you could hear all the flies, you could see all the maggots, you've seen that stuff. I'm not trying to be gross, I'm just talking about life and death, right? So, or sometimes you can see the birds, you're like, you know? And often, because I'm not a very good hunter, I end up shooting the birds. (laughs) No, I don't, I I leave the birds alone. You ever seen a dead seal on a beach? Walk by, you're like, okay, what's that refreshing sea breeze? air. Oh, it's this dead bloated seal with flies swarming around it. So whatever sort of carcass your nasal cavity stumble upon and inhale in its detestable stench, needless to say, it's not very pleasant. The same could be said of smelling something good, right? For example, baked cookies, tri-tipped barbecue, barbacoa, Pulled pork cooked slowly over, you know, in a smoker. Lavender, pine trees, cologne. Your wife's perfume. Fried chicken. (laughs) How many of you have seen all these hot chicken places popping up? That is super trendy right now. Please stop moving to Tennessee, everyone. Tennessee is moving here. They bring in their hot chicken everywhere. Tennessee's hot chicken's coming here. You don't need to move out of California. Why do I say that? Four of our family relatives that we, we moved back, they moved to Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm starting to think. So smell, according to the neuroscience, is our strongest sense of memory. Isn't that interesting? Um, Becky was talking about you know 5,000 taste buds, 10,000 taste buds. This is going to be interesting. I'm actually glad you brought that up. So when we smell something, receptor cells bind to the odor molecules that pass through the back of our noses. (coughs) We then use nearly 450 scent receptors to make sense of those odor molecules and and then turn them into something that we smell like cookies baking. The scent information is sent to the thalamus, uh, which serves as a sort of interpretation station then the thalamus also sends this smell information to the parts of our brain that integrate taste information along with the parts that are connected to learning and memory, which is why all of those uh, start to connect for us. So when when we tie these smells to what we are learning or doing at the time, uh, they form lasting impressions that may stick with each of us uh, for a long time, associated to that particular scent or smell, you know I'm. You know what I'm saying is true. You could walk into a situation and smell something, and you could. It could take you back a sixth grade, and you could be 60 years old. Right? It's it's so interesting that the sense of smell is the strongest part of our, our being that, that has to do with attached to memory. Go to this next slide if you would. So when you chew, molecules in the food, this is taken from Harvard research article, make their way back to retronasally to your nasal epithelium, meaning that essentially all of what you consider flavor is smell. When you are eating all the beautiful complicated flavors, uh, they are all smell. So Murthy said that you can test that theory by pinching your nose when eating something such as vanilla or chocolate ice cream. Instead of tasting the flavor, all you could taste is the sweet. You know that from your parents telling you to eat your uh, Brussels sprouts with vinegar on it or your spinach with butter on it, right? You know that in order to eat that, you would just plug your nose because then you wouldn't taste it. Isn't that interesting? Go to the next slide. Smells are handed by the olfactory bulb in the structure of the front of the brain that sends information to the other areas of the body's central command for further processing. Odors or smell take a direct route to the limbic system, indicating the amygdala and the hippocampus, the regions related to, at that, emotion and memory. We know that from neuroscience. And it's got to be true because Harvard studied (laughs) it. So why do I bring this up? Because we can have lasting impressions by the way we give off our own distinct odor and smell. Isn't that interesting? We could either smell like life or we could smell like death. (laughs) Just enter into one of your teenagers' bedrooms. We can smell like the sweet fragrance of the life and the love of the Lord Jesus, or we could leave the smell and stench of death like an old, rotting carcass. So, yeah, skunk. Isn't that weird how God made skunks? So let's go to the next slide. What does death look like, and what does death smell like? Now, we know physically what it looks and smells like, but what about spiritually? Look, I'm going to take, there's many passages that could probably uh, be used in conjunction with this thought, but I'm just going to hang out in Galatians 5, talking about, you know, the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. So what does this look like and smell like? What does death smell like? The deeds of the flesh are death, right? It, it says that over and over again, the wages of sin is death, flesh is death. Uh, living a life outside of Christ or independent of Christ is always going to smell like death. What does it look like? It looks like this. The works of the flesh, or death, are evident. They're adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So he could say the list could go on. But suffice it to say just in the context of galatians 5 that's what death would smell like so if you get in a in a you know a, a dispute with someone or you've been your character has been misaligned or uh, you've been falsely accused or whatever you could combat you could you could match flesh with flesh oh you're going to come at me i'm going to come back at you Oh, you're going you're to act that way towards me? Well, I'm going to act this way towards you. Oh, you're going to... And you, you know what this looks like because we've all done it. We've all done it. But when you leave that situation, the smell that you leave behind is going to be the most lasting impression that they're going to remember. You see what I'm saying? So we need to be careful with the smell that we're leaving behind because it's going to leave a lasting impression. And we don't want, if we're like lovers of life and lovers of Jesus, and we're a church that wants to impact the community and our families and our friends and all that kind of stuff, we can't leave the smell of the flesh, the dead, rotting flesh, as our lasting impression to people. Now, these are all defaults that we all, hatred, we all default to that. Selfish ambitions contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, you're going to come at me, I'm going to match strength with strength, buddy. Right? We all do this. We're all guilty of this whole list at one point or another. But God doesn't want us to smell like that and to look like that. So what does life look like and smell like according to the same neighborhood of Galatians where we're at? On the contrast, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What if you didn't match flesh with flesh? What if you matched flesh with spirit? What kind of impression would that leave? What kind of lasting impression would that leave? If someone's coming at you, and rather than coming at them with the same weapons of the warfare, which are flesh... Instead, we matched it with the Spirit, and we responded in love, or peace, or we're just patient, long-suffering with this situation, or we responded in kindness, or we were good, or we were just gentle, or we just exercised not self-control like I'm, I'm the one doing it, but it's more of a deferment to the Lord Jesus. Have you ever walked into an elevator? And someone was in there all by themselves and they got off really abruptly. And then you walked in and it smelled like the sewer. Call that a Dutch oven. (laughs) Leaves a bad impression, right? Have you ever walked into a room when um, someone, uh, some well-kept proper lady left the room and it smelled like flowers or France? (laughs) That's a good impression. My aunt's not here, but she's the one that reminded me of this statement. If she was here, I would have pointed her out in her cologne that she always, her perfume that she always wore. Always, I still remember it. I still remember it when I was a little kid, that very distinct fragrance uh, of my aunt. And because she's not here, I would say this: sometimes it was way too strong. I'm just saying, like, whoa, <laughs> when we get in her her little tiny car and go to church. So. If we can leave either a good or bad lasting impression by our physical scent that we leave behind, maybe we should consider what kind of spiritual scent uh, we are leaving behind. Now check this verse out. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be unto God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. Always leads us to triumph in Christ. Always, right? always. Always, always means always. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. If you have Christ in you, Christ is going to come out of you. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, those who are saved, and among those who are perishing or those who are lost. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. They don't want your message. You're not going to smell it. You can't do anything for them. It's okay. And the, the other, the aroma of life leading to life. How do we smell around other Christians that are saved? Like we of all people to our own people, should, should, we, should be, we should be leaving the sweet scent of Jesus to each other. Amen. We should always be leaving the sweet scent of Jesus to each other. Um, now, to the lost, your love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kind they, they want all that, but because it brings conviction to their lying, their lust, their deceit, their selfishness, they, they, it just smells like death to them. It smells so contrary to what they're familiar with. So I'm not saying that you're going to win everyone just by your, your good scent um but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be about leaving that scent because it will it will be an imprinted memory in the saved and the lost so much so that when someone that's lost gets saved they'll remember that it'll be so distinct they'll remember it i remember my christian boss when i wasn't a christian how kind he was how patient he was i look back when i was 16 driving to the construction job site and we would drive for an hour to whatever job site it was, do the work. I remember how he was to other employees. I remember how he was to the contract that we had with the whatever client it was. I remember how honest he was at the lumber store. I remember all of that stuff because he left a good scent. At the time, I didn't like it because I wasn't a Christian, but I, I remember it now. I remember it. Look at Philippians 4.18. Paul says this of some some of those in his life that influenced him. He's in prison. Philippians is supposed to be the epistle of joy. And he doesn't know if he's about ready to get his head cut off, but he says this. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphrodites the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So the Apostle Paul saying, it's just this act of kindness. it doesn't really matter what what it, the gift was. you know in this case, it was like the the thought, and to him it left an impression. so if you were in the hospital or if you were in prison and someone visited you or sent you something um, very kind and very thoughtful, you'd remember that right? That's kind of what's going on. he's saying and it's recorded eternally by first name basis, Paphrodites, this this is something that just lasts and leaves an impression. And he said he related it to scent. Two weeks ago, we talked about tears and how God has them in a bottle, stores them up. But now we see that even our prayers go up before God as a sweet smell. Go to the next slide. It's Revelation 5.8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps, probably fender or Gibson harps, and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. You know, in the old in the old covenant, in the in the temple in the old covenant, in the tabernacle, you would go into the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place, the first part of the covered part of the temple. It was separated by a veil. Um, then there was the outer court. But once you go into the structure, there's the table of showbread. Uh, there's, the go- there's the golden lamp stand because there wasn't any windows and there wasn't any seats. That's the only light. All of this is pictured of Christ. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. But then the, right, right before the, um, the veil is the altar of incense, which was to be always burning. And when you burn something, incense, it goes up. And evidently, just as all of your tears are found in a bottle and God knows about them, all of our prayers go up and they somehow become this sweet odor uh, unto God. So I just wanted to point that out. Lastly, and I won't spend as much time on this, but John eleven forty four. he's in grave clothes. So Lazarus, Jesus comes, he weeps because of their unbelief. He's the resurrection of the life. He now is extending life, and Lazarus has life. And so when he who had died came out, bound, hound, and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said, loose him and let him go, because grave clothes are constricting. Grave clothes don't fit you. If you're a new creature in Christ where old things have passed away and all things have become new, the clothes that you used to wear before you are a Christian don't fit you now that you are a Christian. The clothes that you used to wear before you received Christ, they might have worked for you back then. I'm talking about the clothes of lying and being manipulative and being bitter and envy and, and lustful and jealous. And those clothes, that's what dead people wear. They don't fit on you. They don't look good on you. And they don't smell good on you. (laughs) Does that make sense? So could you imagine if Lazarus just kept the old grave clothes on and just walked around saying, Hey, guys, what's up? Chad, like your donkey. Hey, Veronica, like like what you've done with your hair. Philip, cool sandals. Monica, you make the best uh, flatbread in town. All the while... Stinking like a rotting corpse, wearing disgusting clothes. That's like—is anyone going to tell Lazarus, like, dude, you're—you know—I'm glad um, we're. Yeah, you were dead. Now you're alive, and you're walking around town doing business. High five, and no one wants to touch you. No one wants to be around you. It's like you've died of the corona and now you came back alive and it still looks like you've got the, 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 the ronas, dude. So the idea is to put off the old and to put on uh, the new. I was with clothes, clothes shopping with uh, Chloe yesterday, like I mentioned, and um, all of her clothes that she was getting rid of in her closet like 95%, you could correct me if I'm wrong, it's okay. But we talked about this and she's like, bags and bags of them were all thrifted. Now she's had some gems along the way, she's had some little like nuggets along the way like we all have, you know. I have nothing against thrift stores, Um, not today, but usually, often, even from the pulpit, I'm wearing something from a thrift store. So I'm not an anti-thrift store, but with Chloe, she had so much of this stuff, and she's gone, you know, she's a growing teenager, so her body's changing, and the sizes are changing, and all that kind of stuff, Um, so all of her clothes that were from the thrift store didn't fit her anymore, you ever go into a thrift store, do you ever think, like, their scent brand is not good, like, whoever's doing the research and the marketing on scent branding at thrift stores, you're like, oh, wait, no, that works, yeah, like, I call them farticles, particles of fart. <laughs> oh, yeah, that works. Yeah, I get it. I, I know where you're coming from. I get the association. It really resonates. <laughs> true. I mean, some thrift stores you go into, and it's like the Matrix. It hits you with the smell. You're like, whoa. Someone needs a scent brand help. Send some scent brand help to the Goodwill and... Salvation Army, which not to diss on the Salvation Army because they got a tremendous history and story that's phenomenal if you look into that and the good that they've done over the years as far as um, what they've done and imparted life through Christ. But we went to some new clothing stores yesterday rather than thrift stores, And and what do you know? Chloe found clothes that fit her that were brand new and clothes that she liked, right? So out with the old, and in with the new. And so put that slide up, out with the old, in with the new. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. You're going to need a Bible for this, because it's not going to be on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4, and then we'll look at um, Colossians chapter 3, and then have some table talk and be done. So, Ephesians 4, I want you to see this, very good truths concerning coming out of the grave and walking in our newness of life. Verse 17, this I say, therefore, I testify in the Lord that you henceforth uh, walk not as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind or how you used to walk. They have their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who, being in the past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness or lust on steroids, to walk or to work all uncleanness with greediness. But, Christian, you have not so learned Christ. That's not what you learned about the life of Jesus. If. You have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, here's this putting off, putting on concept. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the former lifestyle, the old you, which is corrupt. There's that word, that corruption, which could, you could be related to scent. It's corrupt according to his deceitful lust. But be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And here's something. Put on the new person, the new you. Your new clothes, get rid of the grave clothes and put on the new clothes, which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying. That doesn't look good on you. It doesn't smell good and it doesn't look good. Put it away. Speak everyone the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You could be angry, but he says, but don't sin and don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that steals, steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands the thing which is good that he may also have to give to someone that needs. In other words, like, get a job, and so when you have a job, you're able to be a giver. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that you may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Then he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Put it away. Put it off. Bitterness doesn't look good on you. Wrath, anger, clamor, that's like those outbursts, that's kind of undefinable, you know, like just rage. uh, Evil speaking, that could be in the gossip category, um, throwing people under the bus category. Let it put it off. Malice is ill intent. Um, put it off. It doesn't look good on you. You don't look marvelous in that clothing. Doesn't look good. Doesn't smell good. Doesn't look good. Those are old clothes. That's how you used to dress, but that's not how you should dress now that you, you haven't learned Christ that way. You have a different wardrobe. And then, lastly. Uh, Colossians, old man, new man, old you, new you, Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, if you therefore have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above and not on the things of the earth, why? Because the things above are eternal, the things below are temporal. Amen, Chloe? For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear. I love that phrase. Christ is our life. Then you shall appear with him. Mortify therefore your members. Put to death. Recognize. They're dead. That's the old you. That's not the new. That was was Lazarus in the grave. Now that you're out of the grave, it's not who you are. So keep that stuff in the grave. Uh, Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. A covetousness, which is idolatry, for which for things sake, the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. Now, don't get, don't get hung up on that. That's an idiomatic expression. Sons of thunder, children of disobedience, children of darkness. Those are all descriptors of who they're related to. Sons of God, children of light, sons of righteousness. It doesn't mean righteousness is your dad, you know, and holiness is your mother and then they bur- it just means your whatever the descriptive word is and the idiomatic expression is the identity so this is not identifying you you're not a son of disobedience you're a son of god in which look at and then he'll put it in the context in the tense verse 7 in which you also walked that's how you used to be when you lived in those things when you wore those clothes when you smelled like that but now also put off all these things why is he saying that? Because even though that's who we were and that's not who we are, we could still go back. You ever given you ever put something in the dumpster and gone back and grabbed it out? That's kind of what the idea is here. Could you imagine Lazarus like, "Oh okay, you guys, so my clothes, my grave clothes stink." Okay, okay. I got you. He throws them away and when everyone's gone, he goes back and he's like putting them back on. They're going to smell even worse. You know don't tell me they had Tide or anything of the. They didn't have anything. They didn't have Downy that smells probably the best. What's the best smelling detergent? Bleach. <laughs> they didn't have bleach back then. So put off these things anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse ten, and put on the new person, which is renewed in the knowledge, after the image of him that created him. Where there's neither Jew nor Gentile, circumcision, <coughs> uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Now he's look at this another thing. Put on, therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Here's, what, here's the clothing that looks and smells good on you. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a quarrel, a problem, you know, whatever, against anyone, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you forgive them. And above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection or completeness. And he goes on. You could keep reading. Um, But you get the idea of the putting off and the putting on. There's an old you. There's an old way we used to function and get our needs met and cope and to deal with life in this fallen world. And some of us got really good at that, right? Like, oh, okay, you're a manipulator, I'll manipulate you back. Oh, you're working the angles, I'll work the other angles. Oh, okay, you're climbing the ladder this way, I'll climb the ladder that way. We've all maybe perfected some sort of coping craft that's not of the new you, who you are in Christ. But what he's saying is even though you got results, it doesn't look good on you, it doesn't smell good on you, it doesn't fit, it looks bad. And God's just coming out in a nice way. It just doesn't, it just, you look bad in those clothes. Lazarus, take off the grave clothes. Why? You're not even, you, you know, maybe he put on a lot of weight because he's like, they're constricting. I can't move. I can't, I don't feel free. Because, <laughs> you know, they're mummy clothes. Anyways. I think you get what I'm trying to get at. Lazarus was not, he was bound and he didn't smell good. (laughs) He didn't look good and he didn't smell good. But he has a new lease on life because Jesus gave him resurrection life. So, what Jesus is saying is go live your new life, be free. Don't be dressed in old clothes. Don't go back to the clothes that you threw away, that you put in the dumpster, that smell. Don't go back there. put on on your new clothes that look good on you, that fit you, and that smell good, and that leave a lasting impression.